0: Um so the instructions I gave were based a little on a quote somebody sent me. And I thought, oh, I'll give a talk based on this quote, this one quote that somebody sent me from Ralph Waldo Emerson, very, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what Ralph uh, Waldo Emerson was. I think he was, was he a writer? He was a, he was a philosopher, philosopher, a writer, and he was one of the transcendentalists. One of the, oh great, one of the transcendentalists, yeah. okay. And I think, I think he was like part of the whole beginning of the Unitarian Universalist. I'm not sure about that, but I think he was Okay, that. so he could be part of our Unitarian Universalist lineage, which we're in the Universalist Unitarian Universalist lineage here in this building. So Ralph Waldo Emerson said, he said, what lies behind us and what lies before us are small matters compared to what lies within us. Right? And so that's a little bit how, how I was, you know, gearing the instructions about looking at what lies within us and how do we discover what lies within us which he thought was the most important thing or one of the most important things. So what's here for each of us, right? And so, and in my experience, I believe that's what the Dharma also asks us is to look and see and discover what is inside here. What is this, right? And what is inside of this body, heart, mind, consciousness that is sitting here right, in this room tonight, and it seems to go with you in some way, shape, or form wherever you are. And so the question is not just a meditative question, it's a question about life. Like, what is inside you wherever you are, however you are, whoever you are? And so, of course, I'll have a bunch of questions for you tonight, like what's inside you now? Right? And how is it to pay attention to what's inside you now? What's inside your heart? Or what's inside your mind? Or what's inside your body? Or what's inside your consciousness? And of course, what's aware of what's inside becomes an important part of the component. Like, how do we know what's inside? And of course, one of the questions, even as I'm sitting here, that comes up is, what the hell is inside itself, right? What does it mean, inside? And is there actually an inside or not? Or or what is Ralph Waldo Emerson pointing at when he talks about um, what lies within us? What does within mean for us? And, of course, what's within us, is it familiar what's within you? Right? Is it? here every day, what's within you? I mean, what's here right now, is that here all the time? Or does that change what's within you? Is it static or is it ecstatic, what's within you? And what might be inside you that is unknown, but it's here? right cuz there's a lot we know or we recognize or we're familiar with but there may also be components that we're not so familiar with or we're not we don't recognize like that hmm. and so i was hoping to point the meditation at whatever's inside, letting us discover what's here or what's inside, whether it be body or feelings or emotions or thoughts or memories or moods or states of consciousness. And, of course, we don't just see one thing. I mean, sometimes we do. Sometimes maybe we're just aware of the breath coming in and out of our body. And that's actually quite a, quite a blissful experience often. If we're just aware of the breath, just coming in and out, and there's nothing else. It's so simple and so um, refined, actually, and that we actually start to become one with the body breathing, one with the breath. <laughs> and it's it is it's very very blissful can be very very pleasurable in a sublime way <clears throat> but also usually when we have when we sit here and we we pay attention we don't just see the thoughts or the feelings or the sounds or the or the hearing of sounds or the feelings that might be here but also we see the patterns or the usual or the habitual parts of ourself that are also here. You know, the egocentric components of who and what we are, right? The the If you're sitting in my seat, you see the Eugene-ness, right? And Eugene's way of meditating and Eugene's thoughts, and Eugene's memories, and Eugene's beliefs, and Eugene's fantasies, and Eugene's, and they're, they're okay, you know, they're not, they're not that interesting, really, but, but I'm used to being aware of them, and, and, but you, but also sometimes you see the patterns or the history where they come from, in other words, the causes and conditions that, uh, that, um, looking for the right word, that are part of what um, nourishes what happens. Um, I was telling somebody about sitting on retreat um, Mm -hmm. the the last week and how I would sit there and not doing anything, uh, I I, maybe I mentioned it here, too. Uh, I had a lot of fear one night on retreat, a tremendous amount of fear in the middle of the night. And it was hard. It was really hard, and it was totally irrational. And I knew it was irrational, even when it was happening, but that didn't stop the the fear at all. And so I was just being with fear and aware of fear and not liking the fear, and fear was happening. And then ch 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 I could see all the causes and conditions historically of where the fear came from, because it had nothing to do with the actual reality of lying in the bed where I was trying to sleep, and the fear was not letting me sleep, but it it was ch-ch-ch-ch-ch, and I could just see the historical pattern that was part of the… I can't find the right word. It's not nourishment. That's, that's too positive. Um, part of the causes and conditions of the fear. And also, it wasn't just history and patterns, but it was the identification with the history, with what happened, with the causes and conditions. And so when we look inside, those that's all pretty normal kind of stuff that can happen. We see the dukkha, the microphone, yeah. this one. I don't know. This is the one we want. It's not working now? How about? It's working. It's very low. It's very low. Let's see if we can help the, the dukkha of low microphone. <laughs> without getting blasted out of the room. Whoa! there it is. Great. Thank you, Barbara. Yeah, please always raise your hand if you can't hear me, because then they'll turn it up and it'll be a big echo and we'll live with it. for. See, for, for me now, it's very loud, but I can live with that, at least for another 30 minutes or something. Um, so it's very normal that we'll see... Um, our ego identity. We'll see the patterns. We'll see history. We'll see suffering. We'll see the causes and conditions that have brought suffering, whether they're personal or whether they're relational or whether they're social or societal, whatever they might be. We may get all of that and and have to practice with it because it's part of the reality of being alive individually and um, in a familial way with our families or with our cultures or our communities and our greater society and the politics of our world and all the dukkha in its many forms, um, depending on who we are and then there's other levels of reality that may also that we also may discover inside right that are part of what lies within us i like that that word i like the phrase better than inside i like compared to what lies within us and what lies within us are also more essential components of who and what we are. It's not just our ego identity. It's not just our personality. But there's something more. In Buddhism, they would talk about their self, and there's also what's not self. And that's right here. And it has to do with aliveness and mystery and beingness and Buddha nature and different components of the reality that's sitting in each seat whatever our form or shape is, you know, whatever gender we are, whatever our sexuality is, whatever our race is, whatever our our economic status is, whatever our educational status is, that's good. Um, um, It's, you know, there's something more to us than any of the particulars of who we are. And that is important to be able to pay attention to and to get present with and to discover what lies within. And so being aware of the dukkha and the sukha, the non-dukkha. Marcel Proust said, we are healed from suffering only by experiencing it to the full. We are healed from suffering only by experiencing it to the full, a very Buddhist understanding to the full completely right and it means we 're not just pushing it away or denying it or not feeling it we 're actually metabolizing it or digesting it in some way, you know, which is a little bit what happened the night of my fear on retreat because I had you know, I didn't like the fear. It was not comfortable. It was not fun, you know, and uh, but but I stayed with it because what else are you going to do on retreat? There's nothing else to do. You can't talk. You're not being social, right? And and also, I little bit, you know, I know how to practice. And so I stayed with the fear. And then at some point, I finally fell asleep, which I was like totally happy about. And I woke up in the morning, and I wondered. As soon as I woke up, I wondered, "Oh, is the fear going to be here? Is it really going to be a bad morning?" And it was totally not at all. Not only was it not there, it was—I had a great day of practice because something got purified. Please, more louder. Okay, I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, I'm just asking because. Patrick is a Bodhisattva about the sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, that's better. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. We have the active listening devices too. If you want to use one. Yeah, oh, that's good to know. I didn't know we had those. <laughs> huh? What, what, what did you active say? listening device. We Where have an acting. They pick up the sound system, and then you have like a little ear. It's
1: sound. like a hearing aid.
0: Yeah, so they're available for anybody who wants to use them. Great. As long as we're using the sound system here. Thank you. So, so there's being aware of our dukkha fully, as Bruce said, and, and metabolizing it, and also just this question about what lies within us what happens if the within and without starts to get erased what if there is no within or without actually and there's something more here than what we're used to or that is familiar to us and what if the what if what's inside us begins to include others right like oh we're all here together or we're all part of one another, actually, and it's really part of the sukha and dukkha of being a human being, is we're all actually here together. Same thing with sound. It seems like you're usually most weeks you're talking a little louder. Most weeks I'm talking louder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't. You know. You're getting my best. So, sorry. Um, it does seem like the sound is going in and out totally. Yeah, I think we're having problems with the, uh, cable on the ear like we were last time when Trish bought the new What, what Whatever. We don't need the, the definition. Okay. I'll keep trying to talk louder and we'll see what happens. If you can help it at all, Patrick, great. Um, <clears throat> Um, so, one of the questions I had is why is it important to discover what's within us? What's within us? And there's a beautiful quote from Kabir. He said, Wherever you are, wherever you are is the entry point. Wherever you are is the entry point. Like, you're it. The whole Dharma's right here. This is where it is. And it's not here in some perfect Buddhist way or in some way that you're supposed to be. Really, the whole Dharma is right here the way you are, even with the bad sound. Okay. Hang on for just a second. This might help. Okay, we're trying again. Better? A little bit? I emailed Tripp and asked him to buy it. Yeah, you don't have to explain. Thank you. So here's a poem from David White. He said, When your eyes are tired, the world is also tired. When your vision has gone, no part of the world can find you. Time to go into the dark where the night has eyes. Time to go into the dark where the night has eyes to recognize its own. There you can be sure you are not beyond love. The dark will be your womb tonight. The night will give you a horizon further than you can see. You must learn one thing. You must learn one thing. The world was made to be free in. The world was made to be free in. Give up the other worlds except the one to which you belong. Sometimes it takes darkness and the sweet confinement of your aloneness to learn anything or anyone who does not bring you alive is too small for you. David White. And he's pointing at something bigger than our usual sense of self. And so part of what we find within is not just our self, but the essence of who and what we are and that's within <clears throat> I, w- I was on the phone with Wes Nisker today who sometimes teaches here and I said Wes I'm teaching about what lies within do you have any quotes for me and uh, he, he said of course Wes, Wes is good on the, on the fly he said what lies within is usually covered up by you. And that's a really I said, oh I'm gonna quote you, Wes, and he's like, okay, you know, give me give me ten percent of the Donna or something. (laughs) But really, it was great what he said because because we we're not trying to get rid of ourselves or deny ourselves or not be who we are, but we don't want that to obscure the totality of what's within. Here, this is a story, this is a famous story. It's about the emperor of China who asked the Buddhist master if he would be possible to illustrate the nature of self in a visible way. Could he illustrate the nature of self in a visible way? In response, the master had a 16-sided room appointed with floor-to-ceiling mirrors that faced one another exactly. 16-sided room, not... You know this is eight-sided, I believe. Yeah, we so it'd be double. Right, it'd be twice this, right? Sixteen-sided. Only there would be mirrors everywhere, that faced one another, and so, and he's and the story goes in the center he hung a candle, a flame, and when the enter, emperor entered, he could see the individual candle flame in thousands of forms, right, because of the mirrors extending it far into the distance and because the mirrors were mirroring each other, right, it became infinite. And then the master replaced the candle with a small crystal and the emperor could see the small crystal reflected again in every direction When the master pointed closely at the crystal, the emperor could see the whole room of uh, thousands of crystals reflected in each tiny facet of the crystal in the center, right? So all of reality is mirroring each other and reflecting itself. And the master showed how the smallest particle, the self, contains the whole universe which is what the master was pointing at about what's sitting in each seat here. One thing we could say is, what's sitting here contains the whole universe. And so there was a quote with this story. There's a quote from Jack Cornfield. He said, True emptiness is not empty, but contains all things. The mysterious and pregnant void creates and reflects all possibilities. From it rises our individuality, which can be discovered and developed, although never possessed or fixed. The self is held in no self. The self is held in no self, as the candle flame is held in great emptiness. So it's a beautiful understanding of... uh, The potential of what's within, what's within each of us and all of us, individually and together. That we're here, I'm here, Eugene's here, and all of reality is right here at the same time. And it's not something one thinks oneself to, but it is an experience that can be known when we really discover what's here. And so, another great example of the not-self component, this is from a woman named Mildred Chase. She's a pianist. And she said, just being at the piano, egoless, is to reach the place where the only thing that exists is the sound and the moving toward the sound. The music on the page that was outside of you is now within you, and and moves through you, and you are a channel for that music, and play from that center, and you play from the center of your being. Everything you have consciously learned, all of your knowledge emanates from within you. There is a sense of oneness in which the heart of the musician and the heart of the composer or the music, I'm adding a little bit on here, or the music, in which there is no room for self-conscious thought. You are one with yourself and with the act and with the music, and you feel as if the playing has already happened, and you are effortlessly releasing this. The music is in your hands, in the air, in the room, and the music is everywhere, and the whole universe is contained in the experience of playing music." And it's such a beautiful way that she describes it, and it's so beautiful about what's the potential of the arts, and especially music is so, you know, and it's close to my heart because I played music for many years. And it's something that I saw, especially in the people who inspired me, was the music just came through them, whether it was many of the famous uh, music- American musicians like Charlie Mingus or John Coltrane or Ornette Coleman or Eric Dolphy or um, 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 uh, Sun Ra. I mean, yeah, if you've ever. Been around Sun Ra, you see reality just burst through him and his whole orchestra, or orchestra is how he had it, A R K orchestra, and uh, and just the amazing um, genius and beauty of being in touch with what's inside and letting it come out for the whole world to enjoy and appreciate, and it's a gift that. Musicians give to the world, and so part of what we discover when we look within is who we are and who we aren't at the same time. Jack Corn, again, Jack Cornfield. Really he said, "In any moment, we can let go and experience life without calling it me or mine." This is the realization of selflessness. And then Jack's teacher said this, Ajahn Chai said, the Dharma belongs to no one. It has no owner. The Dharma belongs to no one. It has no owner. It is always here, unmoving, limitless for all who seek it. It is like water underground. Whoever digs a well finds it. In our search for the Dharma, we search too far. We overreach, overlooking the essence. The Dharma is not out there to be gained by a long voyage viewed through a telescope. It is right here, nearest to us, our true essence, our true self, no self. When we see this essence, there are no problems, no troubles, good, bad, pleasure, pain, light, dark, self, other, our empty phenomena. If we come to know this essence, we die to our old sense of self and become truly free. Mm. So there are just so many ways this discovery of what's within gets expressed. Saint Francis of Assisi said, what we are looking for is what is looking. What we are looking for is what is looking. Or even with tremendous dukkha, Anne Frank, who, served, who went through the Holocaust, died in the Holocaust in World War II, she said, I don't think of all the misery, but of all, uh, but of all the beauty that still remains. Right, I mean where does that come from except that's here that's her that's here that's part of her and it doesn't mean she didn't suffer she lost her whole family before she died and and yet what she knew never got taken away from her and of course I mean there's just so many different examples especially who people who've been under serious stress like Nelson Mandela I mean, you know, that he was in prison, I think it was at least 25 years. And uh, I went to his prison when I visited South Africa. And he came out with this tremendous heart and clarity and um, uh, capacity to lead a new nation and really create a new nation out of what happened in South Africa. This is the last quote it's from um, Rashini a Vedic teacher there is a brokenness out of which comes the unknown a shatteredness out of which comes the unshatterable there is a sorrow beyond all grief which leads to joy and a fragility out of whose depths emerges strength There is a hollow space, too vast for words, through which we pass with each loss, out of whose darkness we are sanctioned into being, capital B, out of whose darkness we are sanctioned into being. There is a cry deeper than all sound, whose serrated edges cut the heart as we break open to the place inside that is unbreakable and whole while learning to sing. Hmm. So those are a few thoughts about what Ralph Waldo Emerson said about the importance of what's within. And of course you all know I like to hear from you, your thoughts or reactions or opinions, agreements, not agreements with what I said. Please come up and and let's talk. And we bring the Dharma into the whole room, not just me. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.